0: Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Nerd Party.
1: Oh, males here. Your owl post for the week is freshly delivered as we begin a new book, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and I am so glad to introduce for the 95th time, the incredible Greg Hoffman.
0: 95th, eh?
1: I know, isn't that awesome?
0: We need to prep something special for 100.
1: Yeah, we kind of do. I feel like, I don't know what we should do, but we should do something. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. I feel like somebody, you know, gave us a a, a 95th episode gift, though. We got a brand new review over on iTunes. I know. I'm so excited. It made my day. I feel so special right now because uh, Murph318 said, I am rereading the series for the third time and have loved the depth of analyzing chapter by chapter with you. Your love for the books and your humor make every episode a highlight of the week. Thank you, Matthew and
0: Thank you, Murph thanks i love reading all getting the reviews and you know matt usually tries to send them to me throughout the day or throughout the week or whatever and
1: always makes my day always i know and they gave us five stars too that's so nice yay well you really appreciate uh obviously hearing good things but we also very much appreciate you spending a little bit of time to go over to Apple Podcasts slash iTunes to give us a star rating and review. You follow Murph's example, give us a star rating and review. We'll let people know what you thought about us on the show here, uh, on the show. And, uh, you know, what's great about that is it helps other people find the show. So Harry Potter fans, um, just like Murph, can find this series, which I have to say, I think, you know, this is, this is really a series that um, you can listen to, Anytime, you know, you could be reading through the books the first time or you could be reading the books the 99th time. But um, we want to just be a place for every Harry Potter fan to come and enjoy. So uh, make sure you help others find us by sharing us on social media, too. You can find us at Join Nerd Party. Uh, follow us there. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerd party we post all of the shows there from around the network. Plus, of course, Owl Post, so you can talk with Dre and I there. If you're on Twitter, use the hashtag Owl post and you can talk to us that way as well. And you can find us on our own website at thenerdparty.com. That enables you to see everything that's been happening on the Nerd Party, all of the different shows. And while you're there, if you thought, hey, you know, I'd love to send these guys an email, go over to the slash contact, choose a show, choose Outposts, posts, and then that email comes to Drea and I. So, chapter one of The Order of the Phoenix. And I felt like that um, this chapter... I was really looking at from, you know, obviously jumping from the last book, because that one kind of ends on a slightly hopeful note. But I felt like she does such a great job with the setup in this chapter of showing how things have gone, like the the effects of last year are continuing to linger. And even the weather is making it difficult on Harry. Um, and it just, it's, it's, it's almost as if it feels like a frog in a boiling pot of water, um, where at some point he's just kind of gonna explode. Uh, and I just, I feel like she's doing such a great job of building off everything that happened at the end of the last book here at the beginning.
0: So this also, to me, we talked about the last book being quite a bit longer than the books before. Mm -hmm. And I think we talked collectively that the rest of the series is like twice as long as the first half of the series, something to that effect. Um, There's a significant shift. And right away, you see it here. She jumps right in. There's no pleasantry introduction of like, it was a warm day, you know, like you kind of just jump right into the action. Um, and the first chapter is pretty long. It's longer than several chapters in older books, so she just really um has am i feel like she just really amped it up like she's just cutting through the b s and getting right to the point we're getting down to it. she has I feel a lot like she had a story to tell like she's ready to tell it, she wants to tell it we're gonna get right into it um and I think that helped to kind of fuel that feeling that you were talking about where Harry just feels like. Ready to go. Like everything is driving him crazy and he doesn't have the patience or the understanding as to what's going on and why he's stuck here and, you know, on Purvet Drive. And, um, I I feel a little bit too like he don't give a what anymore. Like Harry is no longer like holding back. He has like a new perspective on the world and that, you know, he went a long time, you know, trying to figure out this and that, and now he's just like, you know what? I've seen the worst of the worst, and I just don't care. So I'm just gonna taunt you, and you can yell at me and do whatever you want because I just don't give a what. Um, so that that definitely comes through now, um, which I found really a very different shift to what we've seen of Harry in the books so far. Um, but it does it does not start out with a hopeful
1: note. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't really give a fork what's going on in this, yeah. this you know? Like he really doesn't. And and uh, one of the things that we miss especially if if you spend more time with the films than you do with the books. You know, we get reminded here that that Harry doesn't have nice clothes still. Just because yeah. he has money in the wizarding world doesn't mean that he has good clothes here in the real world. And they kind of miss that throughout the rest of the films, especially by the 5th one. But, I mean, we start the book off and he's lying in the the a flower bed, basically, right next to the window, trying to listen to the news to see what's going on. He's trying to see if there's anything happening in the world that he should be aware of. He figures, you know, if there's something really big, um, he'd hear it, uh, at least on the Muggle news, even though they wouldn't know necessarily what it was. But, I mean, he's got torn jeans, baggy T-shirt, and the soles of his trainers are pulling apart, like, from... the the top and it's like this is this is not a happy life that harry has here still it's it's very unhappy still and on top of the fact that he's not getting any news from his friends on top of the fact that he's not hearing anything from anyone really that's helpful it's hot and the family he's living with still hates him so it's like it's just he is in this boilerplate of just awfulness And I I really feel bad for him here, especially because he is still having a hard time kind of dealing with the ramifications of everything that happened. And you can, I feel like she does a very good job in this chapter of kind of showing there is a bit of recklessness and self-righteousness that comes out in Harry because of everything that's happened, but it makes complete sense. With where he is and what he's going through, especially since he's going through this alone.
0: Well, and if you think about just his age alone, that looking at it from the outside with no understanding or perspective, it comes off as like your sort of normal teenage angst, right? Oh, you're so misguided. Oh, we get it. The world revolves around you. Like it's just got this like familiarity that a lot of teenagers can relate to. Only in this case, it's, it's a real thing, right? Like he's experienced a real trauma and doesn't know how to process it because he's not really being afforded any opportunity to do that. And we don't, we don't know why. Like we don't know what's going on either for him. So as a reader, too, you get to be frustrated because you're like, I feel I hear you, Harry. I I hear you loud and clear, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with all that. And and I think that her introduction um to um Dudley as being like this bully character is really interesting too, because he went from this sort of like fat, angry child to this like just large angry teenager who um you know deep down is still kind of a mama's boy we learn but um yeah it's just interesting that they sort of enter they kind of revamp and and you get this dynamic shift in Dudley's character too um as to how things work so um it's kind of uh, an eventful chapter although I will say when you were talking about the news and Harry kind of listening in I, I did love that um Uncle the the part to me that just like as a parent was r- super frustrating was um Vernon being proud that Dudley didn't know who the prime minister was like he is 15 years old he should know who the leader of his country is like or who one of the key figureheads of his country is you know like that is I don't care how old you are like you should know that. And the fact that he was proud that his son didn't need to know that and why why he wouldn't want to listen to the news and all this. I was just I was dumbfounded and it was one of those moments where you're like <sighs> as a parent
1: yeah. like, I just I hated every second <laughs> of it. I was like move on, move on. Well, and it's it's funny you mentioned that, you know, because it is something that caught my attention as well and especially as we're recording this for posterity's sake in america we've just had an election and you know thinking about this whole idea of it's it's it you know i i feel like uh the the country in which we live in we have badly passed on the idea of civics and like how our country is set up and so people know what things are like you know it, it it's it's not it's not a joke when, you know, Jimmy Fallon or somebody goes out on the street and asks people, like, who's the president? And like, they don't people know. They don't know. And you're like, how do you not like, you, how can you not know these things? And yes, the, the the I feel like and, and you know, it's I believe it's definitely something that Rowling is, is really pointing to here is this idea of that. The people are almost proud of the, their kid not knowing these things you know and the, the danger of this and and it's what's interesting is because we're juxtaposing that with a world that in, uh, the entire wizarding world the entire wizarding government right now is doing the exact same thing with the its entire people which is saying oh no Voldemort's not back it's fine everything's fine you don't need to know anything like <laughs>
0: everything's so, fine yeah. i was I was envision that that comic of the dog sitting at the table and the world's on fire around him, and he's like, "Everything's fine, guys." Like, I—that's exactly what I imagine kind of happening mm-hmm. right now, um, both in reality and uh, in this kind of part in the book. Right, like the world's burning down, and and the ministry of magic's just sort of sitting there, going, "Well, oh, we're okay, guys. Don't worry about it." Um, and and I know that that's frustrating for me as an adult who kind of knows how to cope and handle their feelings and i can't even imagine as a you know 15 year old kid who legitimately knows better as to what's going on and is being ignored that you know he wants to wake everyone up he he has this sense of injustice he wants to shout from the rooftops but it's not it's not getting anything accomplished
1: well and i i think you know it's it's really it's an important thing because this is the book where we're really going to dive into that. That's gonna be a huge theme that she plays with. And yep. so I can't wait to continue to get to that. And it's it's one of the things that I, I will admit makes this one of my favorite books of the series. Because so spoilers, she, but not really spoilers, yeah, y'all. Not really spoilers. <laughs> um but she really dives into these kind of ramifications. And um, you know, I, I think that in many ways, and hear me correctly, J.K. Rowling's writings in Harry Potter are, are very classically liberal, which is to be somebody who um, understands your government, to be somebody who fights for the rights of, of people, um, all of these kind of things that very classically uh, understanding of, of what it means to be a good citizen, to be responsible. I mean, she she. Holds to all of these classic ideas of good and right and wrong and all that stuff. And she's going to not pull any punches when it comes to the things that um, are not good or are wrong or what we'd even consider evil. Like, and I think that she does a really great job of that. And then we just get this tiniest of hint that some of these things are going to start happening.
0: But mostly the focus here is that Harry is frustrated because he doesn't mm-hmm. know what's happening. He doesn't, you know, he's not getting information from either the Daily Prophet, which he says, you know, he kind of comments like, why do I even bother waiting for that? It doesn't right. tell me anything. Um, or his friends who kind of keep giving him, you know, placates as to what's going on. Like, you know, hang in there. Don't do anything stupid, but no context as to why. Um, and he's not hearing anything. And he is, at this point where he is a man of action and (laughs) wants some action and not getting it so he's pent up in a house with a bunch of people who don't understand what's going on and he it's hot it's it's like unseasonably hot which doesn't help and it's just the whole thing it's just a super intense um i i think your your way of putting it earlier it's like a frog in a boiling pot of water is exactly spot on that's exactly what's happening to him right now and i feel like everyone can relate to that on some level where you just are so frustrated by everything that's going on and just feel like no one can understand Um, which again i love how relatable she always takes these kind of intangent things like i don't know about you but i've never worried about a dark wizard hunting me down and killing me um but oh really that's Okay. I know I haven't good. had to worry about that guys. Yeah. Um, but I have felt like I'm super frustrated with what's going on and nobody understands and there's nothing I can do and it's all out of my control. Like that is relatable. So in some way I can sort of relate <laughs> to Harry feeling like Lord Voldemort is, you know, out there looming. Um so so, really, you know, most of this chapter, he's living in this world. And at the very end is sort of, once we get this big revelation of something happening. Um, and while it's a terrible thing to happen, I almost feel like Harry is excited about this because it's something and he gets a small snippet of what's going on um, in that some, you know, we kind of learn that one or more of the Dementors are now out of control from the Ministry of Magic.
1: Yeah, see, and it's so interesting because she builds this tension throughout the entire chapter. You know, he's under the window. He's listening to the news. He hears this weird crack, which to him sounds very much like the sound of somebody operating. He gets up. He hits his head on the window. He gets in trouble with, um, you know, Uncle Vernon and uh, Aunt Petunia. He ends up running away. Basically, he goes to the park and just sits on the the swing the only one apparently that dudley's gang has not destroyed yet it's so a gang. We, i just yeah i mean she uses gang in the sense
0: of like a very she's a very british way mm-hmm. of gang and it's just kind of like a group of boys out doing nonsense not like how we think of gangs in america well, and apparently beating
1: like, up 10 year olds so you know
0: i know but it's to me i it's like a posse not a gang mm-hmm.
1: yeah <laughs> oh yeah Um, and I really appreciate though, you know, that as Harry is sitting on that swing, he is just so frustrated and he's, he even sees them ride by on their bikes and he just, he almost wants to yell out just so he can get in a fight. Um, but I love that he doesn't, he embases his godfather. He doesn't get in a fight. He, he waits until the rest of the gang is left and it's just Dudley and he just starts poking at him and poking at him and poking at him. And this is where Harry is kind of a turd because yeah, he's he, kind of a dick. Yeah, he's angry and frustrated and he knows that um, Dudley's not going to do anything to him because Dudley's afraid that something would happen to him.
0: I mean, he's um, had a tail once. So yes, you yeah. can kind of understand why he might be a little fearful.
1: Yes. Then they get in an argument because he says something about his parents um, and he talks about and Cedric and talking about how, you know, Harry's moaning in his sleep, you know, what's who's Cedric, your boyfriend, you know, like he's really getting after him. And that's when the dementors attack. And what I really appreciate here is that unlike the movie where he can just do the Patronus charm right away, He struggles to do it here, and I think it makes much more sense that he would be struggling to produce the charm because he's not in a happy place. And he has no happy thoughts right now, really, on his mind. And so the fact that it takes him being grabbed by a Dementor and his thought of that he might never see Ron and Hermione again— and that's what gives him the strength to produce this charm. I think that's much better. And I wish that had been in the movie because I think, again, it just makes so much more sense to where this character is, which is a character who's really struggling to hang on to any kind of hope right now.
0: It's true. And uh, it's tough, you know, to to think that he should be able just to, to do that um, when they very much so stress in the book that. It's important that he think happy thoughts um that that's not how you learn it, that's how you like cast it um so I, I do love though that the moment the happy thought is the fact that he if he dies, he'll never see Ron or Hermione again, and that just the fact that their their faces come into his head was enough to like reset him and let him cast. Um, I found it interesting and different from what we've experienced in the movies that he can kind of like. Um, command the Patronus, Mm -hmm. you know, he tells the Patronus to get it, get him, you know, get it um, to, to do what he needs it to do versus in the movies. It just sort of like has a a thought of its own or um, does is sort of autonomous. um, And that's definitely not how it's portrayed here in this chapter. So,
1: yeah. And I would say, you know, uh, at this point, the the order of the Phoenix and beyond, they get the Patronus is much better. Uh, you know, even here in the movie, I think they do a good job because he is controlling it with his wand, and he sends it back after the other Dementor and everything. So you get this feeling like that the Patronus isn't just this like explosion Woo! out of your wand; it is this thing that you <laughs> I don't control. Know how else to you know, it. Um, and so I, I feel like that's it, it's just it is it's it's well done here. And then Harry dealing with the fact that. He's having a hard time carrying Dudley. Mrs. Fig from across the street. And she's like, don't, don't put your wand away. They told me that you were clever. You they told me you were smart. And she's like, What I, are you doing, you I idiot? Like
0: <laughs> Mrs. Fig in the book, so much more than I like her in the movie. In the movie, she's painted to be sort of like timid and quiet and almost afraid. Um mm-hmm. and here she's just like, You're an idiot. Like she's just laying into him. Like anyway, it ends with this sort of revelation that, you know, the crazy cat lady that Harry's sort of been avoiding all summer um, is actually um, familiar with his situation um, and, and throws around a name that we haven't had before.
1: Yeah, she does, you know, because she yells out how she's going to kill with Fletcher, <laughs> which is yeah. great. Um, and and she's I got think the spicy spirit of telling Harry not to put it away. You idiot. <laughs> yeah. Stop trying to put your wand away. I can't help you out. Um, yeah. I, and, uh, it's fantastic too because with all that's going on this is another moment where we, sl- we get this slight you know H- H- Harry is always thinking and, and like he's always putting pieces together and his thought is why are there Dementors in Little Winding like why are they here and we have a Dementor talk in this chapter which I don't think we've experienced
0: before um, says something about you know like you know, uh, uh, something to the effect of, um, bow to death. It might be painless. I would not know. I've never died. So we also get like a little bit of insight on the Dementors and that they're not like dead. They are yeah. just a creature. That's um, and that creepy. they can't really experience pain or death. Um, and that, you know, they talk, which I don't, I don't think we've had Dementors talk yet so far. Um, and the fact that they were coming to kill Harry Potter was very intentional, right? Like they yeah. were coming for Harry. This isn't like a coincidence. They didn't find him on accident. Um, this was intentional. So it's all its all super unique and we're left with more questions than we are answers at the end of this chapter.
1: Which is lucky that the next chapter immediately picks up where we leave off to answer all those questions. But yes, the chapter does end with uh, Mrs. Fig yelling in the streets how she's going to kill Medungas Fletcher, which is kind of a a humorous place to end the chapter after everything that's happened. Exactly. (laughs) But um, we will have to wait till next week as we uh, read a peck of owls with chapter two. But, um, you know, Drea, if anybody wants to catch up with you and celebrate us diving into this book, where can they find you?
0: Sure. You can find me on Instagram at Drea Kaufman, um, or on Twitter at PCF Chick,
1: And you can find me on Twitter, Rushing 2 I'm also on Instagram of the same name. You can find me uh, on this network also doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills, talking about Star Wars each and every week. I'm over on the Trek FM network talking about two different things, well, a lot of different things, on the 602 Club, where we talk about all the things we love. It's a general geek show So many fandoms to talk about there. Um, And if you love, you know, anything from Harry Potter to Star Wars to Lord of the Rings to Marvel, DC, and so many things in between, I think you'll love that show. You'll also find me doing The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And then last but not least, I'm doing a show with my friend Courtney called Cinema Stories. And that is where we talk about films, but through the lens of faith. So we just want to say thank you so much for checking your outpost.
0: Mischief managed.
1: Join the revolution.
0: Join the nerd party